So I am Michelle Morris from Consolidated Planning Group. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Uh, we have a great guest speaker for you, and you're going to get a ton of information about vocational rehab programs um, through the Texas Workforce Solutions uh, program. So again, I'm Michelle Morris. Let's go through a little bit. Hopefully you've been to one or two of our webinars in the past, but if not, um, I'll go over the rules of the road a little bit. So we um, we do these webinars two, three, sometimes up to five times a week. And we love being able to present this information to you. While we're in webinar mode, we cannot see you or hear you, but we encourage you to use the chat box to, to tell us what you're thinking, to ask us any questions, even to chat amongst yourselves. That's fine with us. Um, I'll, I'll monitor the chat box today while Rebecca is presenting and be able to let her know of any questions that you have um, or even answer them myself in the chat while we're going along. So it's no worries there. Um, after, after this is all finished, we're recording it. So you will receive slides um, in your email later on today and a link to the recording. And if you're listening on our podcast, instead of being here with us live, I just want you to know that you can get these slides by emailing us, contact at cpgcares.net. So um, who, are, who are we at Consolidated Planning Group and why should you even be listening to us? Well, we are a holistic financial planning firm that focuses on families with loved ones who have some sort of an intellectual or developmental disability. You know, when you have, uh, many people think of financial services as planning for your retirement, but when you have a loved one who might need care for the rest of their lives, um, that's kind of like saving for a third bucket of retirement money. Uh, so you need to be prepared for that. And that's what we help people do. We are located in Sugarland, Texas, just outside of Houston. We serve families all across Texas and all across the United States. Um, we have over 30 years of experience with insurance and financial services. We're members of um, the Special Needs Planning Academy. We're National Social Security Advisors, members of the uh, top of the table, million dollar round table. It just means that a lot of people trust us to help their families plan for the future. Uh, so we are here for you as well. And it's really important, you know, you have found the right place. A lot of families come to us for things like protection plans, lifetime care estimates, transition planning, ABLE accounts, and of course, advocacy and education related to um, special needs planning topics. You know, there are over 263,000 financial advisors across the United States of America, 263,000, but there's fewer than 200 period, not 200,000, but fewer than 200 even focus on special needs planning. So it's fewer than one-tenth of 1% 1 of all the financial advisors across America focus on special needs planning. So you have definitely found the right spot to be in. Um, one of the things that really keeps 
families awake at night is the thought of who is going to take care of your loved one once you're no longer able to. You know, maybe you pass away, maybe you become disabled, maybe you're just too old to be chasing someone younger than you around the house. Um, so we want you to develop a future care plan as soon as possible so that you can plan for the future and make it easier on yourselves and have more impact on the future. Consider what options are available to you after high school. There are work options like we're going to talk about today. There are um, vocational art. Uh, educational options. There are a lot of transition and day programs and um, communities that are available to your loved ones. You want to know what is available so that you can plan and you can get on the waiting list if there is a long wait list. And make careful consideration before just saying, oh, Jacob's sister is going to take care of him once we are gone. Um, his sister will be there, so we don't need to worry about that. Well, you know, maybe Jacob's sister has other things going on in her life, or maybe Jacob doesn't want his sister to be in charge of him because that's not my mom, you know what I mean? So you want to keep that relationship loving and helpful, not obligatory or uh, resentful, okay? So be careful with those things. I do see someone has says, please email the handouts. Like I said, everyone who has registered for this uh, webinar today will receive a link to the video recording and a copy of the slides in their email. So no worries there. So without further any further ado, please welcome um, Rebecca. Tell me your last name so I don't mess it up. Oh, I don't think you'd mess it up, Michelle. It's Quintero. Quintero. Yes. Thank you so much, Rebecca. <laughs> it's not Quinteroo. I know. I get I get a lot of different variations, but uh, it's Quintero. Yes. Thank Quintero. you. Okay, great. So if you would take it away uh, and tell us all about vocational rehab through the Texas workforce. Well, thank you, Michelle, for this introduction. Um, I am here to share some information. Here on this first screen is uh, just a way that you can contact me, but I'm gonna share additional information at the end of this um, presentation. But as you can see there, my name is Rebecca Quintero. I am uh, an employee of the Texas Workforce Commission known as TWC, and I work namely under the Vocational Rehabilitation Division, as you'll see there. I am uh, attached to Region 6. We do have uh, six regions in uh, the state of Texas, uh, one through six, and my role currently is a senior transition specialist with our region. So there are five other uh, transition specialists, and so if at the end of this you want to connect, I'll have that information on a slide for you uh, to either take a picture of. I know people tend to do that now, is just grab a, their camera and take a picture. You're welcome to do that now, uh, but I am uh, located here in San Antonio, Texas, um, and um, you'll have my email and my work cell number there, but the website that you'll really want to reach out to is our www.twc.texas.gov. That's where you can find information uh, on our entire organization, and this is where I hope to break it down uh, for you in just a bit. And Michelle, could we actually go back to that first slide just for an image? Perfect. Yes. Thank you. So I want you to make the connection. Um, Texas Workforce is a pretty big organization and it can get a, I don't even think a little, it can get very confusing. So I wanna start with Texas Workforce Commission. So 
Texas Workforce Commission known as TWC um, is a state agency and they're responsible for or overseeing and providing workforce development services to employers and job seekers um, for, the, for the state of Texas. And so the connection that I want you to now make is, okay, so then who's Workforce Solutions? So Texas Workforce Commission is on, on top, but they're part of a network known as Workforce Solutions across the state of Texas. In just a moment, I'm gonna show you a slide that shows you the entire state of Texas and, and kind of what that means. But this Workforce Solutions network is comprised of 28 um, local workforce boards across the state of Texas. So that's a lot of different boards. And the best way, because people still think, you know, what's a board? The best way to kind of wrap your head around that, that network is think of like a school district, just like school districts all kind of function independent of one another, our boards uh, run the same way. So Texas Workforce, state agency, Workforce Solutions, uh, our TWC is part of that Workforce Solutions Network. And vocational rehabilitation is one of many, many, many services um, that anybody can tap into under the Texas Workforce Commission um, um, umbrella. And the Workforce Solutions Network, these are, think of those as offices that you actually go into across the state of Texas to be able to actually receive services, resources, um, training, and in many cases, uh, some financial, temporary financial support. So next that is so please. helpful. These things do get confusing. It, it is. As I really do like to think of an umbrella. Like you pop open the umbrella, that's Texas Workforce Commission, and all the little spigots on the end of our umbrella that keep it together, that's the Workforce Solutions, right? All the okay. various services. So yeah. Fantastic. All right. So let's go back to, here we go. To Perfect. So here on this slide, it's a, it's a map of the state of Texas, and you'll see a bunch of numbers. So those are all the numbers representative of the 28 boards across the state of Texas, and those are your local workforce development offices, right? Um, so as you can see here, um, the board areas can span from the Texas Panhandle to the Borderplex, from Central Texas to Deep East Texas, and then of course we round out our way through the Gulf Coast and South Texas. A little fun fact, I'm from South Texas, so if you know where either Mexico is at the very bottom, you'll, I don't know if you can see that well, but number 24, kind of right in that area, if you know where Mexico is, or many people know where South Padre Island is, that's my hometown. <laughs> so oh, perfect. Um, and then let's see. Um, so the workforce boards uh, serve a group of community leaders that they're appointed by uh, our elected officials. And they're the ones that kind of plan out and oversee the expectations of our program to make sure that we're providing the services that our community says uh, they're in need of. And so um, just across the state of Texas, once again, those are 28 boards, but within those 28 boards, there's 180 local workforce solutions offices across the state of Texas. And let me give you an example. So I am located in San Antonio, and in the San Antonio area, the workforce board is, is um, known as the Workforce Solutions Alamo Board. And in the Alamo Board, we have about eight offices that are served under that one board. So that's that's an example, but once again, 180 across the state of Texas. So I wonder, I, I didn't mention this at the beginning, Michelle, but if anybody has any questions, I am open to receiving them as we move along. So if you have any questions, please 
place them in the chat and I'll be glad to answer them. Um, and now that I say that, does anybody have any questions about that kind of organizational breakdown? I don't see any questions coming through yet, but I will definitely let you know as they do. Great. Um, so yeah, go, please continue. Okay, so you're here to learn a little bit about vocational rehabilitation services. Uh, we also reference it as VR, but that's not to be mistaken with virtual reality. It does stand for vocational rehabilitation. And the purpose of our vocational rehabilitation program is to be able to help people with disabilities, uh, physical, mental, or visual, uh, to be able to help them obtain and maintain employment that is within their interest, their priorities, their abilities. And so we kind of look at all of that together. And in a bit, I'll break down what our eligibility criteria is. But as you'll see there on bullet number one, um, our services are eligibility-based. Um, so they are specific to the individual that is determined eligible. Um, it's not an entitlement program and something to kind of think of when we have our children attending public school, they're entitled to services, right? But with our agency, you have to be determined, you have to, to meet the criteria uh, of our program to be determined eligible into the program. And that's what that means. That second bullet there, um, VR services are not intended to be emergency services. So many people um, are not aware that vocational rehabilitation can sponsor what we call physical restoration, or in general terms, um, we can assist and sponsor a surgical procedure, right? And so when we say that we're not emergency services, that's the best service that we can tie it into. So if you needed a, you know, a good example, if you had a hernia and that was preventing some kind of struggle in your job setting, and you could no longer perform the, the duties of your job, but you just need a simple hernia repair, but you need it by tomorrow, or you need it later this week, that's what we mean when we say emergency services, that we're not emergency services, because you we have to take you through that eligibility process. Um, we are also not necessarily time limited. We used to say that we were time limited, but we've, we've come to learn that every case is so very different. Um, our cases average in terms of from application to a successful closure can average about two years. That's, that's just an average. Every case is so different but we no longer can say it's time limited because we all know that life happens to all of us, right? But they are intended to, uh, they're not intended to be provided long-term. Um, we really wanna be able to serve our customers and serve them quickly with the services that they need because that gets them back into the workforce. So that's really the intent there. And then our vocational rehabilitation services are arranged and provided by a vocational rehabilitation counselor. Um, with consideration to what we call informed choice or individual choice. And let me give you a quick example of what that means. Um, if you come to us and you wanna work, um, or we need to send you for an evaluation of sorts, we might have five different providers that you could choose from. So we could say, okay, provider A is on the north side of town and provider B is on the south side or provider a C can come to you. So we give you all the information that you need to then be able to make an informed choice. And so that is provided through the guidance of a vocational rehabilitation counselor. Next slide. All right, great. So um, let me see. Okay, so here on the screen um, are our four criteria that an individual um, 
should meet in order to be determined eligible into our program. This is the eligibility criteria. So the first criterion there is that you have to have that physical, mental, or visual. You don't see the visual here, but that's kind of like our specialty. We have uh, counselors that are specialists in providing that kind of service to individuals that come in with uh, either blindness or uh, visual impairment. So physical, mental, or, um, um, or visual. So an example of a physical disability could be maybe somebody in a wheelchair, uh, somebody with cerebral palsy, um, an example of an individual with a mental uh, impairment or condition is somebody with maybe uh, major depression. It could be somebody with um, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, just to name a, a couple there. And then, of course, the visual impairments that I mentioned, you could be somebody that has complete blindness or just significant visual impairments. Um, and so if you have one of those, you meet criteria number one. Um, the second criteria is that the um, condition or the disability has to be providing some kind of barrier to your ability to work. So as we all know, um, you may know somebody with a disability and they're functioning perfectly well and independently and very successfully in our communities and in their lives, and they don't need any kind of additional support. That's great. But for those that might need that extra boost or support, you have to meet that second bullet, which is that that disability results in some kind of struggle for you to maintain employment or to even secure it. So I'll, I'll give an example. A, a person with a physical disability, let's say somebody was in a uh, motor vehicle accident, maybe lost the lower extremity, they had an, a leg amputated. So now their life has significantly changed. So perhaps to continue, it, it could have been a person either working or even unemployed. In either case, that's why it's individualized. So if they were working, and maybe they were in a job that required physical movement, squatting, bending, standing for long periods of time, and now they've lost their lower extremity, um, the impairment there or the impediment uh, rather is now their, uh, their ability to ambulate independently has now been affected. That's the impediment, okay? I know people can get impairment first criteria and impediment second criteria, uh, confused. So there's a little example. And then the third criteria is that um, you require certain services from vocational rehabilitation. The example that I just gave of the individual losing a limb, perhaps they need the use of a prosthetic, right? And so that could be the service to help them prepare for, enter, engage, or even advance into competitive uh, integrated employment within their abilities or priorities uh, and their interest. Um, and then the fourth criteria is uh, pretty simple in most cases. It, it's just asserting that we can um, say that you are somebody that has the ability to secure employment, that, that you can, through our services, maybe support, that you can still work towards that employment outcome. Um, you will see something there, it says, unless pre-eligibility trial work experiences demonstrate clear and convincing evidence that the customer cannot achieve employment outcome. Um, an example of this could be somebody maybe with autism. And it's not necessarily that you've never worked before. That's really uh, not the, the focus here. It's more of, is the disability so severe if it was a person with autism or even an intellectual disability that they could not secure employment independently whereas perhaps they needed somebody with them all day long, 
that might be an example of somebody that needs constant care and supervision, uh, we might assert that they don't meet that fourth criteria. And that pre-eligibility trial work um, for us allows us to evaluate that ability. We can take them through a, a few trials of, um, of work. We would work with an, a, a service provider that would go with them to a job site and we get different samples, if you will, of that individual working in one work site, doing one activity. We take them to another. They try a different set of, uh, of activities. And based on the reporting of those experiences, if that provider says, well, they couldn't sustain focus for more than five minutes, you know, and, and that's the consistent trend, then we might assert that they don't meet that fourth criteria. Whereas somebody that demonstrates and actually maybe finds uh, uh, an interest through one of those work experiences, we can say, oh, they're definitely uh, eligible. And then we move through the process. So those are the four criteria you would have to meet to be determined eligible into our vocational rehabilitation program. And with and that, Rebecca, do you have any you questions? Yes, yes. So you need to have all four of these things. I mean, and it makes sense because you have to have some sort of impairment that um, is an impediment to employment right. that would be helped by vocational rehab and that you can actually work. Uh, you can complete the job assignment if yes. you get the vocational rehab service. Absolutely. So it's really the four. Yeah. So it's really, you know, what you meet one, you meet two, you, you need three, right? That's us providing the service. And then number four is really as a result of those services, you're able to achieve the outcome of employment. Yep. Fantastic. And you're going to get to ages and when you can start with this. I, I, I will, but let me just say, so vocational rehabilitation is open to, to anybody of working age. Um, and in a little bit, you're going to hear me say 14. <laughs> it, I mean, an, it, as a, a youth uh, at the age of 14 does have some labor law restrictions, right? But there are some situations. So I'll explain that a little bit. But yeah, as early as 14 and whenever you feel like you can work up to, we have served many individuals that have been well into their late 70s and early 80s. Fantastic. Now, is there, um, you're going to go through the application process and how people are screened for these things? And you know all what, that. this one, I don't have a specific slide. It, it, it would have been nice for us to have included maybe just a little arrow, but let me, thank you for that. Let me, let me take some time. So this is the eligibility process. So the way you get connected, and at the end of this, you'll have a, a number of ways that you can connect with us. But when you do connect with us, the first time you reach out to us, that's considered what we call the initial contact. It's the first contact that we have with you. We kind of get a, a gist for uh, why you're calling us and what maybe you need just in very general terms. You just you, you could just call and say, I'm curious about vocational rehabilitation um, and I'd like to speak to a counselor. That could be the initial contact. Or you could say, I'm about to graduate from high school. Um, and I, I think I need some help preparing for work and that's just the initial contact. So we'll take your basic information, your phone number, email address, um, and then your reported disability. And then that gets assigned to a vocational rehabilitation counselor. Remember they're the ones that make decisions on all the cases. And then from there, they will take an application. 
So during that application process, they're going to do what's called a diagnostic interview. It's, it's simply just a conversation with you to get to know you, to get to know specifically about your disability and how it's providing uh, those impediments to employment and what services you need. So through that, that counselor after the application might send you out for various uh, evaluations to further evaluate or simply request medical records or school records to be able to verify, if you will, the reported disability. So that's the application. And we do have time limits attached to the early phases of our VR process, which is the initial contact. We have to reach out to you within 30 days and offer you that application. From application to eligibility, which we've just discussed here, we have 60 days to determine that. It is a federal law um, that we have to determine your eligibility from application to eligibility 60 days. And that's through that collection of information that I just spoke about, that diagnostic interview. If we determine that you're eligible, then there's that last um, 90 days, that, or not the last, I shouldn't say last. Then what, the counselor is given 90 days to determine um, what services you need through conversation with you. Um, and, and you all will work together to develop a plan of employment known as an IPE, Individualized Plan of Employment. In the school setting, it's an IEP, so not to be mistaken for that. An IEP is an Individualized Education Plan. So while you're in school, it's an education plan. For us, it's an IPE. And on that plan, you're going to have one vocational goal, that you and the counselor will work towards. So all the services listed on that plan should all answer, how is this service gonna help me get to that vocational goal? How is this next service gonna help me get through that, through that next goal? And then we provide active services. From the time we sign that plan, um, now we can actively uh, purchase services, provide services, arrange services uh, for you. And then we start waiting for that phone call when you, the customer, say, hey, Rebecca, I got a job. <laughs> and then we count 90 days. And those last 90 days are really just to ensure that you've received everything you needed from us to be successful in an employment setting. We, we stay in contact with you for 90 days to ensure that you no longer need our services. And at that 90th day, then the counselor and their uh, rehabilitation assistant will verify employment. And we close your case out successfully. Um, that's really what that process should look like. But sometimes we do have some unsuccessful closures for individuals that may not be actively participating in their plan. So I hope that helped answer this process yes. in a little that bit. I'm going to confuse everybody. I promise. It's, <laughs> but this is the full. If you're applying for a full array of services, this is the eligibility criteria you want to be familiar with. Fantastic. Let's get through a few more slides. Sure. We do have more questions popping up, okay. but I know you're going to get to some of them. So let's continue on. Sure. Okay. So transition services. So um, this isn't separate from vocational rehab. As you'll see there, it's just a subset of vocational rehabilitation. Um, and there's that age group. Um, transition services are specific to the ages of 14 through 22. And they're provided to students to help you prepare for the word transition for the world from the world of being a student into the world of work. There's that word transition. Um, and so we provide services to students that are currently in high school. We want to be able to outreach them while they're still in school. We don't want to wait till they graduate and find that there's a need later because we can now serve them better and, and more timely while they're in school. And in most cases, you'll see there 
Um, we have services that are known as pre-employment transition services or also pre-ETS is what you'll hear counselors say. And we have five core services that you'll see. Um, I know the wording can sometimes throw people off, but they're, they're pretty simple. Career exploration is really um, having a conversation with that youth and saying, what do you want to do? Why do you want to do it? Have you researched it? Let's look at some of our online tools so we can explore it together uh, to determine maybe what where they're heading or where they'd like to head. Um, the second pre-ETS service is known as work-based learning. Just think of that as an opportunity to, to work in a real work environment and possibly even get paid for it. It could be an internship experience. It could be um, a job shadowing experience, or it could be a paid work experience. That's what work-based learning is. Another pre-ETS uh, service that we can provide is uh, counting on post-secondary opportunities. Post-secondary is uh, academic or vocational training after high school. So what do you need to do? Do you need to apply for financial aid? Do you need to connect with disability support services so that you can still be successful with accommodations if you should need them? Um, and then making sure that you take those steps to prepare you for enrollment to a post-secondary uh, experience. The fourth pre-ETS uh, service that we have is called job readiness. This one is simply, what, what do you need to know about uh, working with individuals in a work site? It's all the soft skills. How do you apply for work? Maybe how do you do, how do you complete a resume? How do you interact? Do you need to wear a uniform? It's kind of learning all those things to prepare you to be ready for a job. And then the last one, which I think is, is the most important one, and you'll kind of see this over overlay all the other ones, but the fifth pre-ETS service is known as self-advocacy. And that's really making sure that our students understand that they have a voice and they have to use their voice, especially if they're going into post-secondary education, whereas if we're talking about an individual, a, a young individual that's used to their parents um, speaking up for them while they were in school, after they exit high school, they're no longer going to have their parents there. And so it's learning how to have that voice to uh, ask for the things that you need, maybe in a work in a work setting, you know, I thought you told me to do this, but could you repeat that for me again? And just making sure that they have the confidence to have that voice. That's the self-advocacy part of it. And then of course, vocational rehabilitation services continue even after high school. So they are, transition services are provided while they're in school, but we do have the case simply continues as long as that customer remains um, interested and has a need for services. And are these one-on-one -on -one training situations or group? Yeah, so they they can be both actually. Um, we do have something uh, under transition services known as embedded services. We do have a few of those going on in our region and across the state, but embedded services is where a provider where vocational rehabilitation uh, uh, contracts with a service provider or a vendor, and they're the ones that go into the schools and they provide one or all of these services directly to students in a group setting. So it's part of their school day. It's literally like a class that they just go to. And um, it's a service that's sponsored by the counselor. That's a counselor saying that this is appropriate for this list of students at a campus. And it's not at all campuses. I'll, I'll, I'll make that clear. We have to go into contract and we have to specify the schools that we're working with. So it's this one's kind of somewhat new, but 
the counselor can work individually um, with one student with many of these areas and also still bring in a service provider to work, work with our students as well. Okay, so it's it's kind of a variety of ways to get to the same result, right? Yep, absolutely. We will always work all of our cases on an individual basis to make sure that we fulfill the needs of the student. Perfect. Okay, so you keep hearing me talk about the counselor. So we do have two different types of counselors under vocational rehabilitation. And that first one, they're um, transition vocational rehabilitation counselor known as a TVRC. They're the ones that are directly assigned to work with our youth that age between 14 and 22. So they spend a lot of their time on campus. Another fun fact, I used to be a transition counselor. So my day, I from my home, I would report directly to, to the schools that I was assigned to every single day. And every now and then they'd see Rebecca back at the office. Post-pandemic, I think this still looks a little different because now our agency can connect with so many um. Uh, parents, students, school officials, virtually, just as we're doing here, uh, it's opened up that virtual world for us. So many, many of the meetings um, are still based on customer choice, but many of our counselors don't necessarily report every single day to all their various campuses, but they're specific to serving the ages of 14 to 22, while the students are typically in high school. Whereas a vocational rehabilitation counselor, a general VRC, uh, they're going to work with our adult population, our general community, anybody coming in uh, within their local area, coming into an office and needing VR services. But uh, a VR counselor may also have a couple of school assignments, but they're not needed at the campus as regularly as a transition counselor. So they may pop in when the school requests for their presence or if the school contacts the general counselor and says, I have five referrals. Can you come in? It's a partnership that we have with them and the counselors would go in to either take an application or to provide presentation on our services. Fantastic. All right. This one's a big one. Um, so this is a federal law. It's called Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, also known as WIOA. And really this is just an opportunity where um, we've improved the way we, we service our youth. And, and let me give you an example. Um, when I was a transition counselor, the agency was known as Department of Assistive and Rehabilitative Services, also known as DARS, uh, prior to us becoming part of Texas Workforce. And our focus at that time was to only focus on juniors and seniors at the time because they were the closest to transitioning out of their uh, high school years. But we've come to learn over the over the years that we need to reach out to them sooner, as I mentioned earlier. And so this law has allowed for us to do that. And you'll see here on that first bullet, um, the VR programs are required to spend 15% of the federal funding that they allocate to pre-ETS services um, to both eligible, which we've already talked about, and potentially eligible students with disabilities. That's the part that might get people confused and I hope to be clear on it. Um, but also pre-ETS are intended to provide exposure while they're in school to these pre-ETS services uh, to prepare them for independent living and for their, their life after high school and into the world of work. So it's it's starting earlier and, and we're seeing some really positive results because of this enactment of this WIOA federal law. 
So it's really, it's that last sentence there on that first paragraph, we OWA emphasizes transition and youth services throughout. Next slide. Um, so the transition counselors, are they part of the embedded services or part of the agency? That's a question that we've received. Okay, good question. So yeah, the transition counselors are connected with vocational rehabilitation. And remember, they're the ones that will make all the decisions um, they give all the approvals. They have to justify every dollar that they spend on every single case. So they're the ones that could say, okay, hey, you're going to this, this campus. Um, this campus has embedded services with this provider, provider X, for example, and say, would you like to be a part of that? And what they'll do is put them on a list for the next cohort to start. And so as you can see, it's VR, it's our customer, the student, and then a service provider. So we have various partners that we work with. Uh, counselor makes a decision, customer says they have the need, and the service provider is the one that actually delivers embedded services. Wonderful. Okay. Okay, so uh, I always say the state likes to keep everybody confused, but I say that because a lot of our terminology can seem very similar. So you heard me talk earlier about vocational rehabilitation and the eligibility process. So once again, what WIOA allowed for us to do was to serve our youth quickly and more efficiently and more effectively. And so WIOA created this new process called potentially eligible, not to be confused with the eligibility process. <laughs> you see the connection? Um, so really potentially eligible is just a means to give access to pre-ETS services um, to uh, uh, individuals that are able to participate. So this one here, to be placed in the eligibility, uh, excuse me, the potentially eligible phase, you have to be a student that meets the definition of a student with a disability. And that definition is that you are between the ages of 14 and 22 and that you are currently enrolled in a recognized um, educational program. Um, so that could be that you're still in high school and you're receiving services through special education or uh, that you're eligible for 504 services um, and, or that you're also enrolled in a post-secondary. So if you've already exited, but you're still within that age between 14 and 22, you've graduated from high school, but now you're enrolled in a post-secondary education, you're still meeting that definition of a student with a disability because you meet the age requirement. You're telling us that you're enrolled and we'll verify that and that um, you have a need for our services to be able to prepare for employment. So potentially eligible, think of the phase when I, when I talked about eligibility, um, the eligibility process, I talked to you about let me see, initial application, eligibility, IPE, enclosure, about a five, maybe six step process for the full array of services. Potentially eligible is literally saying, I meet the definition of a student with a disability. I would like to be served through one or more of your pre-ETS services. And all we'll do is enter your name in our system. We'll ask for proof of your disability, which could be a school record, uh, it could even be an obs uh, observable uh, disability if you're somebody in a wheelchair or somebody um, with cerebral palsy or deafness. We can we can observe that kind of stuff. So we can determine and verify your disability, and then you're in. There's no application. There's no eligibility. 
Uh, there's no IPE development. It's just saying that you have the need. We place you in. And the moment that we verify your disability, we start providing our pre-ETS services to you depending on your need. Um, so that's why it says it's not intended to circumvent the VR process, which is lengthier, right? It's not intended to circumvent that because what, what might happen is we could uh, place you in potentially eligible as a student that meets the de uh, definition of a student with a disability, but then you may you might need a job coach or you might need transportation services. Um, that kind of, or those kind of service rather, are paid for under our general vocational funding, whereas everything else related to transition is paid through a different bucket, uh, pre-ETS funding. And so you could enter as a potentially eligible, but there might be a need that the counselor says, because you need these other services, the full array of services, then we need to take an application and walk you through that, uh, that more lengthier process. But if you're already potentially eligible, it's really uh, a smooth process um, at the end of it, because we already have gotten to know you and we have more information on you. So once again, that last bullet there, services for potentially eligible are limited to pre-employment services only. So I so wonder if we'll get questions on that. <laughs> so in my, what I'm hearing is this is a little bit more broad. It's not as personalized to each student. You're not coming up with a plan for each student who is potentially eligible, but they might be able to take some classes and learn about things that would generally help. Yes. Is that what, yes. what you're, okay. Yeah. And, you know, thank you for asking that too, Michelle, because I think the way that I like to, this is, I used to be a supervisor and I like to share this with my new staff that would come in because they were like, El you just told me about eligibility. Now you're telling me potentially eligible. Like, what does that really mean? So think of potentially eligible as uh, an appetizer. You go to a restaurant, you say, oh, can I get the wings? And you taste the wings, right? So maybe in this case, your appetizer is uh, career exploration. You want that little appetizer, you get a little nibble, you like it, and you're like, hey, Rebecca, I really like that. Can I try another appetizer, which is a pre-TS service? Say, can I get the uh, work-based learning experience? Yeah, let's do that. So once again, you could get it from your freshman year all the way through your senior year, and you could touch on a variety of different experiences and multiple ones throughout every single year. Um, and so you can say at the end of it, you know, I think I have a need for an entree. And if it's you know services that I talked about, you said like to apply for vocational rehabilitation services. Now you're now the services that we offer are wider, right? And once again, they're going to be specific to your need, but now you can nibble nibble on an entree, enjoy that. So you get the the taste of all the appetizers and still get the benefit of still being served um, more if you need it. And here's our last slide. And this is where I also share, I can drop in several different links here uh, at the end if you need to get connected with us. Um, and let me see, I think that one, yeah, that first link will get you connected to um, one of our offices so that we can get you connected to the right counselor based on the area and zip code that you live in uh, if you wanna work with a counselor. Um, and the, the counselors are the ones that schedule their appointments at the school or in their office um, and or at different locations where, where maybe some kind of exception needs to be considered. Um, and then the counselor will discuss the VR process with students and parents, which includes determining eligibility or if it's more appropriate for you to be entered into that potentially eligible um, phase. 
And then also that last link that you'll see there for assistance in locating a VR office, if you're not familiar with where our offices are located across the state of Texas, you can click on that link and you'll be asked to enter your zip code. And if you're a job seeker, you're looking for child assistance or um, just employment services, and then it'll get you connected uh, to the right uh, we have a rapid engagement team. It'll get to that team and then they will assign it based on what you've entered in, into that locator. Or you could also use the old school way of working <laughs> and pick up the phone and, and call 512-936-6400. And once again, you'll be connected with somebody uh, in the appropriate location for your needs. That's fantastic. And like I said before, we are going to send these slides out. So when you receive the slides, you'll be able to click on these links. Um, but I, I have a few more things to talk about. So as I'm finishing up, if you wanted to ask Rebecca any further questions, now is the time, or if I missed a question that came through earlier, now is the time to get that into the chat box while I wrap up a few more things. Uh, did you want to talk about this slide at all, Rebecca, or just this? If, if anybody wants to take a quick picture of that, it's simply our six regions across the state of Texas and their specific transition specialists, because this is the role that I'm in. But once again, I'll drop in some of the links in the chat as well, and that'll get you just general VR if that's what you're needing. Fantastic. And these are your state uh, transition teams? We do. We have a state transition team. I don't think you would really need to reach out to them. It's really more that sec that first slide because um, that we can connect you with anybody in our in our respective regions. Fantastic. And then that's just our Texas Workforce uh, Commission contact information. Once again, I think the links will get you to where you need. This is more yeah. probably if you want to submit a, a question of, of concern or anything like that. And just for, you know, we, we like to put this on here, federal funding. Um, we are allotted federal funding. And once again, it splits up. Many people don't, don't really care to know this information, but it's out there. We have it on most of our flyers. Just so you know, the, the breakdown of the federal funding versus what we get through the state. So there's a split. So that's the detail of that information. And that's it. And then once again, Rebecca's information. So, um, I'll, like I said, I have a few more things to go over. So um, we're going to get to these last couple questions that are coming through after I have a couple moments. Um, we do webinars. I already mentioned this, that we do webinars throughout the week several times. And these are the different topics that we talk about a lot and topics that we help people with. Um, developing that special needs plan, the care cost estimates for the future, uh, making sure that you're on the waiver interest lists and that you apply for SSI and SSDI correctly to get the biggest amount that you can from those government benefits. You can have money in an ABLE account or in a special needs trust, and it won't affect their benefits. So those are great places. Um, the ABLE account is one another place. You need to make sure that your beneficiary designations are um, set up correctly so that you don't leave money directly to your child. You have to leave it to their trust. Uh, you want to start touring residential communities early because the wait list can be quite long. Um, guardianship, you can start that process when you're within six months of your child turning 18. We help with 
um, hooking you up with great attorneys and, and understanding those processes. And then what is available beyond high school. You'll also get this slide, which will give you a link straight to our upcoming webinars. So you can check in and see what's coming up if you wanna register for any of those. This is our team. As I mentioned, we're located just outside of Houston. We are two husband and wife teams of advisors. So Allison and Jeff are the owners. They have two kids with special needs. So that's why we took this path. And then there's myself and my husband. These beautiful ladies on the bottom row are, are the operations staff. Um, when you registered for this webinar, don't forget that you gave us your phone number and your email address. So these smiling faces are going to be reaching out to you to see if you would like to schedule an appointment or if you have any further questions. So don't be rude when they call. They're very sweet people. I'll be calling some of you. They'll be calling some of you. If you don't want us to call, here's the secret. Schedule an appointment with us before we get to it. <laughs> and then we don't have to call you. You can use the QR code to schedule that appointment or call us or email us. It's very low key. It's just a chat. We want to know about you and your situation and answer any immediate questions that are keeping you up at night. Then we'll go into our, our uh, spiel about how we work and how we can serve you and what our fees are. Um, and you can decide from there if you'd like to work from with us. So it's an easy, easy chat meeting, no pressure. You can also check out our YouTube, Instagram, our podcast, and our Facebook, because these little uh, icons down here will be clickable links when you get these slides. Okay, so I see some questions, mostly for Rebecca, but I do see one for me too. <laughs> um, how do consumers access the workforce solutions? That would be through the VR link. Yep. Okay, okay so and you had that link on your slide, right? Where people can click and self-refer if they'd like. Yeah, there was two options. I, I dropped them again on the, uh, I don't think they dropped in as links, but yes, the slides, once you share them, Michelle, they'll have access to at least two of the four that I just dropped in there. Perfect. Now, if somebody already went through the process and filled out a bunch of paperwork with Texas Workforce, does that cross over to the VR program and all of that? Or do you have access to that? So that's a good question. So if you applied through a work solutions office for one of their programs, because they also do um, have various services for the youth, GED services, unemployment. So that's really under the, the bigger umbrella, right? Um, but vocational rehabilitation, the reason the federal law mandated us in 2016 to merge under TWC is because we are about employment. When I say we, I'm talking about vo vocational rehab, but we're also the specialist of knowing individuals with disabilities, whereas the workforce didn't have that specialty, but they had the workforce development side, right? They know all the businesses and they have partners. So legislatively, it made sense to draw us both together. So you could apply for services under the workforce solutions um, uh, services but if there are similar services, we just, we can, we'll want to connect with one another to make sure we're not double dipping, as we say, because sometimes um, 
a federal program might be sponsoring something under workforce solutions, and it might be a same bucket of money for VR. And if that's the case, then we want to make sure that we're not duplicating the same services. So it doesn't necessarily mean that if you've applied for workforce solutions service that you're automatically connected with VR. No, you would have to say, I'm an individual with a disability. Is there somebody I could speak to that might be able to serve my needs better? So hopefully that answered that question. Perfect. Um, I see someone asked if if I, as the host, can copy the chat box. I, I think I can, but then we'll have to eat. Can you check this for me, uh, Terry? If you click the, the box where you typed in your question, there's three little dots at the top right of that box. If you click on those three little dots, the first thing says save chat. Do you have that option? If you do, it might make it easier. You can just save it straight to yourself. So let me know. And uh, if not, we'll make sure we get that to you. Um, thank you for putting this all together. We do, yes, we do presentations on these topics for parent groups. If you are part of, you know, maybe like, for example, NASA, we work with some of the NASA support groups, like they have an autism support group at NASA. We're happy to partner with them and present to that parent group. If you have a group or something like that, you would like a presentation we are happy to get together with people like Rebecca, or if you just want us to present, or if you just want to invite people you know when you see our presentations coming up, we are always more the merrier, the more the merrier. We want to help as many people as we possibly can. And of course, if you ever have questions, you can just um, reach out to us. So Terry, did that work for you? I don't know if you're even still out there, if you are able to get the chat or if I need to make sure. Okay, I'll go ahead and save chat and we'll send that out with the um, with the slides. All right, so this has been fantastic. Again, thank you, Rebecca, for all of the information and everything. Um, I, I hope this has been helpful for everyone. Thank you yes. for spending your hour with us. Yes, and I just wanna thank uh, Consolidated Planning Group and, and yourself, Michelle, for hosting and navigating us through this. And as well as Meredith, I'm not sure if she's on, but I do appreciate the time she spent with me to get me prepared for this presentation. And I hope it was helpful for everybody. Thank yes, you. she's fantastic. And Terry, uh, we'll make sure you have the link to the webinar on our YouTube channel. Uh, so you can listen to this again later on. We'll have the chat for you and all of all of the above. So thank you again, everybody. Enjoy your week. It's Monday. So go out there and kick butt <laughs> and uh, do good. Thank bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. Securities and advisory services offered through Triad Advisors. Member FINRA and SIPC, Consolidated Planning Group Incorporated and Triad Advisors LLC are not affiliated. Advisory services offered through Consolidated Planning Group Incorporated. Consolidated Planning Group Incorporated is not affiliated with Triad Advisors.